Hola, mi gente. Bienvenidos otra vez a este espacio conmigo aquí en Acá Entre Nos, a Spanglish Podcast. Espero que desde donde nos escuchen estén bien y que les vaya de maravilla. Feliz fiestas. Espero que se la estén pasando muy bien con la gente con los que se rodean. What's good, my people? Welcome back to this space with me at Acá Entre Nos, a Spanglish Podcast. Happy holidays. I hope you're all spending good times with all your loved ones. We are back with another episode of season three here. It's been super crazy busy at work, so I've not had enough time to record as often as I wish. But we are here with the second episode of the season, and I am super excited. If you haven't listened yet to our previous episodes, make sure you listen and leave us some feedback. I'd really appreciate it. Today's episode is going to be super moving and amazing. Today, I have with me three wonderful people who are members of the LGBT community who have trusted the space to allow themselves to be vulnerable and share stories with us that people don't easily share or talk about in our communities as much as we should. I hope that you all welcome them into your hearts and space as you listen to these individuals who are opening their space to us as well as here on Acantrenos on the show. This is Acantenos, a Spanglish podcast, and today's episode title is Mama, Papa, I Am Not the Boy You Thought You Knew. Virtually here with me is Luis Coronejo, Vicente Garcia, and Luis Quiores. Estamos de vuelta con la temporada 3 aquí um, en Acá Entre Nos. No he tenido tanto tiempo de grabar como me ha gustado porque he estado muy ocupada, pero sí me siento muy afortunada y orgullosa de tener este episodio con los miembros que van a estar aquí conmigo. El episodio de hoy será súper conmovedor y sorprendente. Hoy tenemos con nosotros a tres personas maravillosas que son miembros de la comunidad LGBTQ que han confiado en este espacio para permitirse ser vulnerables y compartir historias con nosotros que la gente no fácilmente comparte o hablan de en nuestras comunidades tanto como deberían. Espero que todos les den la bienvenida a sus corazones y espacio mientras escuchan a estas personas que también nos han abrido su espacio personal. Esto es Acá Entre Nos, un podcast en Spanglish, y el título del de episodio de hoy es Mamá, Papá, No Soy el Chico Que Creías Conocer. Participamente aquí conmigo está Luis Coronejo, Vicente García y Luis Quiores. Hello, y'all. How's it going? Hey. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for just being a part of this. Um, I really do appreciate it. Why don't you guys start by introducing yourself? Okay, so my name's Luis Cornejo, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, in San Francisco, California. And I work at a nonprofit in the Mission District providing uh, individual couples family therapy. Um, and I work specifically with uh, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, and I'm also the founder of Psychosocial, a multimedia platform that promotes mental health awareness and also works to destigmatize mental illness. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And hi, everybody. My name is Vicente Garcia. I'm a content strategist and storyteller. I do a lot of my own independent and freelance work. And I've been very active in different social justice issues over the past, trying to uplift stories from our communities, 
I'm also on the board of Familia Trans Queer Liberation Movement. So have really been trying to do as much work as I can in my life centered around LGBTQ issues, people of color, and really just trying to work on all the social justice issues that move us to the world that we want to live in. And I am very happy to be here today. Thank you, Vicente. Hola, mi gente. My name is Luis Quiroz. Um, I am a social media marketing consultant here in San Francisco. I work with small businesses and um, different, a lot of different types of um, industries. And I stay pretty involved. I like to stay active in the community, doing things with uh, a lot of nonprofits and just ca good causes in general. Um, and I'm really excited to have been invited to this podcast and I'm excited for what's to come tonight. Yay. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for taking the time to have this discussion here with us. Um, I have decided to invite them today and I felt that this episode was really important because I think our community is still very shut down at times, not openly accepting, uniting, and um, talking about the importance of our LGBTQ community. Uh, community. Um, and this is something that is really important. And like Vicente said earlier, it's something that has to be focused on so we could see the society and world that we want to live in. Um, gracias otra vez por tomar el tiempo para tener este, esta discusión con nosotros. Eh, espero que um, los que están escuchando la disfruten como la disfrutaremos nosotros. Um, yo decidí invitarlos hoy a tener este episodio porque creo que nuestra comunidad todavía está muy cerrada a aceptar abiertamente y unirse con miembros de um, LGBTQ en nuestra comunidad Latinx. Y esto es algo que nosotros como comunidad necesitamos que cambiar y representar y unirnos con orgullo. I love to give you guys a space each to tell your stories and answer some of the guided questions that I sent you um, earlier. Uh, we can do one question at a time and take turns. Um, so I'll start with the first one. Who are you? Provide a summary of your identity, gender, sexuality. ¿Quién eres tú? Um, proporcione un resumen de tu identidad, género o sexualidad. Um, so I identify as a gay man. And um, yeah, I think sexuality to me is very important, mostly because of the work that I do, um, especially when it comes to exploration of sexuality and people's identity. And uh, that's been one of my big uh, goals with Psychosocial to really uh, partner with people who discuss topics like identity and um, sexuality, so. Um, yeah, I'm Vicente. I go by he, him, and identify as queer. Um, for me, that's always been an important part of my identity. It's not an, like, an add-on. It's like part of who I am and how I walk in the world, in addition to every identity that I hold of being Chicano, being queer, of being from the Bay Area, you name it. Um, and what else was I gonna say? Yeah, it's 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 something that's very important to me, and I and I hope that you know we are in a world now where people have become way more accepting than they have in the past. 
Um, again, I am Luis Quiros and I am male, identify as gay, and I am a member of the LGBTQ community. There's a question you asked in there, Kelsey, that's like, what's your role in society? And it's like, it feels like such a loaded question and try not to overthink it, but I think one of my roles in society might be just like, um, just showing others that it's okay to just be who you are. I think that from a young age, I've never really hidden who I was. I was always the loud, um, flamboyant little kid, little boy that um, just didn't care what people thought um, for a little while. And then there's a time in your adolescence when you do start feeling insecure and like maybe to like tone it down or whatever, right? So I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more of that, but. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what my what I'm here for and like kind of what the reminder that I want people to have is just to be yourself, be your authentic self. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's kind of um, where I stand with that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, that's that that's kind of a little bit what I was thinking um, when I put that question on there, um, you know, I, th I think you're right. I think it's just important to be true to yourself and also being able to represent and be the person that people can look up to. And that, and that's why I was interested, like, what is you guys' role in society? And you guys said a little bit um, at the beginning when you introduced yourself, not just in society as a member of LGBTQ, but just as a person, like, well, how do you represent? How do you put your passion out there, your heart? How do you show the world um, who you are as a person? And so that goes into the second question, which you already kind of went into. Um, what is it that you do? Some of you already kind of said a little bit about it earlier, if you want to go into it with more detail. And then the role that you play in society with the LGBT community in the Latinx community, um, you all just seem so very proud of being Latinos. Um, and you know, tell us a little bit more of how you found your passions and your careers and so forth. Um, eh, la siguiente pregunta es, ¿qué es lo que ellos hacen? ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo ellos se sienten apasionados por sus carreras, por las cosas que hacen para la sociedad, para la comunidad latina, para la comunidad LGBTQ? Um, ¿Y cómo representan um, su personaje con, con los demás? Uh, so, did you want us to like state our name every time we answer a question? I just want to. No, 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 not at all. No, or matter. you could okay. just say Luis. So, okay. for our listeners, we have two Luises. So, we have Luis, <laughs> then Vicente, then Luis again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, my role, you know, is as a healer. I mean, that's that's generally what I do is I work with people, um, providing a safe space for people to talk and be able to process you know, things like trauma and also, um, you know, to work on, on different personal things that they want to achieve. And so that's that's pretty much my role, um, working in a nonprofit where we primarily work with um, members of the Latinx community. It's, it's become a very important part of my identity. Um, I provide a lot of services, mostly in Spanish, and I work with people from different backgrounds, all Latino, you know, Latinx, uh, people who are indigenous. Uh, so that's, generally my role and through psychosocial, I've been able to also expand the work that I do. Um, you know, I've, I've been able to connect with a lot of people who support the, the site and also help us organize events. 
uh, to really educate other people, but also to create community. Uh, so part of psychosocial is bringing together clinicians of color who are also working in the community or who are working in private practice to really just like have um, you know a space to also decompress and talk about the issues that we face in uh, the therapy uh, profession. And so, um, yeah, I think I've always been more of a people person. So I was actually a preschool teacher before I became a therapist. And I did that for about six years and then decided that I wanted to continue working with families. And so that's when I decided to go to grad school and get my master's degree. And uh, I've been working as a therapist now for about four years and I became licensed last year. And Congrats. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, for me, I think my role is also the fact that I am the only LGBTQ identifying um therapist at the agency that I'm at. And so that's also another uh, really, I think, important piece for me because a lot of the clients that I do work with are LGBTQ and they haven't really had an experience where they've worked with a LGBTQ therapist. So, um, you know, I tend to receive a lot of positive feedback from them in terms of feeling safe and being able to really talk about the issues that impact them. So that's that's something that I, I include, as I guess, in my role in society is really being uh, you know, representative representative of a, a group where I feel that there's we don't have as many clinicians who are LGBTQ um, or Latinx or Spanish speaking uh, working in community mental health. That you know, so it, that's also another part of my role. So I think, yeah, I would say that's my my role in society. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. All right, I'll go next. Um... Yeah, in terms of my deeper role in society, work-wise, I would say my role is to be a storyteller, to uplift and choose to tell stories that disrupt the status quo. But I think even deeper than that, like my role, I would say general in, in society and even bigger is to really try my best to be a champion of others as best as I can. Uh, I think what you said, Luis, definitely resonated with me in terms of being our authentic self. I think that's so important for for all of us to do. And actually, the more people that live in their authentic truth in the world actually is what is needed to create a better world because a lot of the problems that we have right now is people either can't live their truth because they're, you know, economic mobility or fear of discrimination or so many things and so I think a lot of it is rooted in that and I try and really champion others to live their authentic truth as much as I can wherever possible and I think that the other thing that's important especially in this conversation within the LGBTQ community is recognizing our power and privilege as queer men within the space because if we do actually want to be very real about it we hold the most privilege within the community for a variety of reasons and there, it's a lot easier us, for us to to it, it, just this there's like clubs and resources for gay men and all these other things but if you think about trans women, trans men, queer women, in terms of what they go through, it's not the same, especially for 
trans women of color. I mean, I don't even want to look up the statistic of how many trans women have been murdered this year. And so I try and also understand that privilege that I hold within the broader community. Because I think it's also an important time we live in, in terms of the intersectionality of, of everything. And the shift I think we're making is before, I think we were talking about issues of maybe like people of color or versus white people, where now it's like, no, there's so much more nuance to that. There, there's like colorism within people of color communities. There's certain ways that black and brown and Asian folks face different disparities differently. So I think we have to really push towards that movement as well within the LGBTQ community and everywhere to really bring attention to the intersections. And that's also something that's very important to me. Yeah. Um, I think in the large sense of what um, my role in society, I think, I think I kind of piggybacking off of what everyone has just kind of said is really kind of being a voice for the voiceless or for for those that don't have the, a platform to really speak up for themselves as it, as it relates to um, LGBTQ issues or um, just issues within those um, confines in general, right? So I think um, it's really important to lend yourself to um, to other organizations and other programs that um, that cater to outside of the gay community. So I try to extend myself outside of the gay community because Vicente is right. There are a lot of resources for gay men. Um, but when you look down to like resources for lesbian women or for transgender uh, uh, people, uh, men or women, you know, like it's a little more limited. So I think it's important to branch out and kind of uh, tap into those other micro communities within the, the small the community already. Um, I'm very proud of the Office of Transgender Initiatives here in San Francisco. It's an, uh, a new city department. I want to say it's the first transgender um, department in a city uh, government, local government. Um, so San Francisco is the first um, to hold a public office for that. And um, they recently completed a fellowship for trans women that are, um, a lot of them are immigrant women that have come from as, as asylum seekers from other parts of the world. And um, basically it's helping to integrate them into um, the workforce, into the professional workforce. And I was very fortunate to be um, a mentor to one of the young ladies that was part of that program and just to kind of help shape the program and help, um, yeah, shape it for future, uh, um, for future programming, for future uh, benefactors of that program. And it was such an, a rewarding experience to branch outside of my um, gay bubble, I guess you could say, and into um, more of those nuances that are existent and prevalent in the LGBTQ community. So that was a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, so um, just kind of uh, honing back in, I think a little bit more of, uh, to the original question, I think one of the other things that I do that's um, like my role in society is um, I help others. So I, I right now I'm very fortunate to be working with um, small businesses along Mission Street. Um, I'm a, a very proud Latino and to be able to pay it forward to Latino owned businesses and um, small businesses at that, right? Um, it's been such a rewarding uh, project. I just started a couple months ago and it's going to go into the middle of next year. Um, but I'm working on a very, very cool campaign in the Mission District here in San Francisco. Um, here's a shameless plug. It's called Mission Loteria. 
and we're basically bringing local artists, local businesses to work together to bring in new traffic, new foot traffic, new shoppers that are um, former residents, existing residents, and also new um, visitors from, you know, from other parts of, of town that are not from San Francisco to bring them to shop local. So it's a really exciting shop local campaign. Um, but yeah, I think I've been talking for a little while. Thank you guys. There's there you can talk as long as you want. <laughs> um but no, really thank you guys and it's amazing. It it really is amazing and that's why I wanted to why that question came up for me because I wanted to see what is it that you guys are doing um because everyone has these projects going on and I think right now it's really in the whole entrepreneur and I love that there's more members of La the Latinx community and to see members of the LGBTQ community doing um, things that are representing um, the, representing the community of LGBTQ and the Latinx community. Um, I am, I don't represent, uh, I mean, I don't identify LGBTQ, but I have had the opportunity as a new therapist to start working with, um, I have a transgender um client and I have more sort of younger youth teenagers that identify LGBTQ and I've been doing a lot of my own just you know learning on how I can help and represent and you know how to or what is it that I can do on my part and that's a lot of where the passion in my own work but also why I wanted to bring this episode because I was like okay how can I represent even if I'm not necessarily a, a member of it or identify um, and so I actually tried as you guys know to have um, someone who is of the trans and um, was not unfortunately able to join us but I was like hey please don't bail on me I'd love to still do an episode um, with you because I have heard and have recently learned um, that they uh, that the, that there is certain even privileges within the LGBTQ community and um, certain members that aren't there's not enough resources and representation so it's amazing to hear that you guys are using your voices um as gay men as queer men to um represent everybody in the community of the lgbtq so awesome awesome um to hear about your work going on to the next question um let the listeners know share a little bit about uh family uh what's your family like what does family even mean to you i know family isn't always like you know who you, you who birthed you or um or siblings but what does family mean to you what is that like and what was your um what did your upbringing look like compartan un poco sobre su familia quiénes son qué se significa um ser parte de una familia para ustedes y cómo era su familia y su creencia okay so my family um my dad's originally from Morelia, Michoacan, and my mom's from Guatemala. And they met in LA. They both came to the US when they were about like 14, 15 years old. And they met in Inglewood, California. And uh, <laughs> yeah, Inglewood, uh, California. And um, my mom was 10 years older than my dad. So he was about 18, she was 28 when they met. And uh, they dated for like three years, got married. My mom had me when she was about 32 and my dad was 22. So she was 
pretty much like the boss. <laughs> and uh, they are both um, super religious. Uh, even when they came from their countries, they were already Christian. And so um, that was probably one of the things I remember the most about growing up was always going to church. Uh, Mom always talking about God. And um, I have two two siblings, so two younger siblings. And yeah, I mean, my family was pretty small. It was five of us. We did a lot of the normal stuff, um, you know, going on trips together. Uh, I had to adapt to two different cultures because even Guatemalan and Mexican culture are really different. So that was that was something that was kind of rough at home was, uh, you know, my parents kind of having very different perspectives on what they wanted to teach us and uh, traditions and even food. But I always kind of liked it because when we had things at school, everyone would always be like, well, I'm Mexican. So they kind of all like, it was like half of the class was Mexican and then everyone else was you know, like either African American, and I was kind of the one in between where I could be like Guatemalan or Mexican. And um, I remember that was a really important thing for me, because at that point, like kind of figuring out my identity, I always felt a little bit different. And, you know, I think that also comes into me coming out as gay eventually, that I always felt different and being uh, even culturally different. I always felt like there was, it was like, almost like, a, like being able to, um, I guess, almost like make up my own identity because I didn't have to be just one thing. So when I started to realize that I was gay, um, you know, at that point, my parents were very strict and, you know, I was still going to church and I started to kind of notice that, uh, that very like different part of myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm rambling a little bit because, it, it, you know, I, I think when we talk about family for a lot of people in the LGBTQ community can be a little bit traumatic. So I'm also feeling that a little bit right now, kind of just bringing that up because um, there's definitely a lot there. There's a lot of love, respect, but there's also a lot of anxiety and a lot of re-traumatization that happens um, when talking about family. And I've seen this with a lot of clients and so I'm also feeling it right now. So I'm like, (sighs) but yeah, I mean, basically, you know what I, remember was growing up in a in a home where um like I said there was a lot of love but there was still a lot of insecurity because my parents being religious were very opposed to people who were gay so I I grew up hearing a lot of negative talk about the LGBTQ community in general I grew up um you know questioning a lot about myself because of my religious views and what I was told when I was growing up and so um yeah, I mean, very traditional family, and I'm. I, it, things have changed a lot for sure. Now, I am a lot closer to them. Um, I know we're going to talk about the coming out process later, but I did come out to them ten years ago, and uh, so things things are a lot better. But there's still so much work and so much um, so many challenges when it comes to my family and the specific. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to share anything <laughs> about their family. Um, thank you. First of all, thank you. Um, before um, Vicente and Luis continue, I just wanted to thank you for allowing yourself to be vulnerable on the show. Um, and, you know, you talked about re-traumatizing, and I just want to remind you all that 
I'm so grateful just to have you on. Um, And so I totally respect the space if there's anything you don't wish to talk about or, you know, if you if you just, you know, there's certain things you don't want to bring up, that's okay. Obviously, I put the questions out there, but but I can I can understand that um, it could be re-traumatizing. So I just really appreciate you um, being in this space with all of us, right? With or allowing me to have you guys in this space. Um, So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for those words. Um, Yeah, and like I said, you know, it can be really re-traumatizing. So, um, I mean, you know, that's, and it's a whole thing, I think that, it's important to talk about it because a lot of a lot of times we don't talk about the impact that you know family has on us because there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt uh, when it comes to talking about like your upbringing and I think for me it's one of those things that I'm still working on um, and I'm still trying to really make sense of a lot of you know the things that um, I had to deal with growing up so I do appreciate that you're saying that I think um, it is hard but it's also important to have those conversations. Thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. Vicente? Yeah, so for, for me, um, so my family, uh, I always say I'm seventh generation Chicano because three of my grandparents are like fourth, fifth generation, and then one of my grandparents is like 16th generation. So it's like if you add it all up and you average it, it's like seven. I don't know if that's really true, but it's something like that. Um, so I think that's kind of, and I always realized that my experience was really different from like a young age as well, because I felt like most people that I know are either first, second or third generation. But for me, it's like my parents are Chicano, my grandparents are Chicano, my grandparents' grandparents are Chicano. And like, it's like all the stories of our family are here, like on this side of the border and also on the other side. I mean, the border is a freaking line that doesn't really exist, but you know, also on the quote unquote, like the other side. Um, but like, I definitely think that like, yeah, you could tell like even just our family, like we've just been here for so long and we're very much so like Mexican American, Chicano, you know, Latinx, whatever the word is now these days, I don't know. Um, all those things, um, we're very much like hybrid identity. Uh, and I think as that relates to sexuality, I think I've, I see the ways that, that I've benefited from that because I, I think that because we've, been here and like my parents are also like my parents grew up my mom grew up in LA and my dad grew up in Oakland like in this like in the 70s and so they're like more open-minded um but also people live here and are not open-minded so maybe it's not that either um but for whatever reason um my parents yeah are very I would say uh very open-minded um very very smart, very progressive thinking in, not just in terms of being open about sexuality, but I think in terms of a lot of things. So I feel very lucky and and privileged to have that um, because I know a lot of people don't have that. Uh, That being said, I'm not saying 
that it was e like a hundred percent easy coming out, I knew it was still going to be difficult, and it was still hard talking to my parents about it. And as open-minded as my parents are, I think they were open-minded, but I, I think it's different. Like when it's their actual son, and then it was like harder for them for a while, of which we eventually got over with. But now I feel like we're at a, a very good place and I'm very I'm very appreciative for my family and I'm appreciative that uh I can actually talk to them about things. And and we and my with my family I I even talk about even more than just my own sexuality. I will definitely talk about other things like transgender issues or um people who are gender nonconforming. I mean I tell my family everything um even be even beyond just me but i know that everybody doesn't have the experience but uh i it's important to me to share that with my family yeah i think um listening to you guys speak i think one of my i think i relate closer to um to your upbringing like my parents are both from mexico they came here at a very young age my mom was like like when she moved to the U.S. and like that settled in the in Southern California, um, so I was actually brought into the U.S. as an infant. So I was a baby when I came to the United States. Although I was born in Mexico, I only know California and the U.S. as, as my as my home. Um, so that's like an identity that I like carry with me um, on top of my gay um, LGBTQ identity, right? And um, yeah, I grew up pretty strict. Like my dad was never really there. My mom was always hustling, making, you know, making sure the bills were paid, that we were fed. And um, uh, what else? Um, yeah, so I grew up. Um, I grew up with an older brother and a younger sister. brother passed away a couple of years ago in Mexico and my younger sister um, recently opened up about her uh, transgender identity and um, are now are transitioning right now. so it's been a really interesting uh, family experience I don't think it's like your typical family experience and um, I'm the middle child and I'm kind of like on the trying to just like balance everything out and kind of hold everything together. My mom now lives in Tijuana in Mexico and my dad is uh, unknown, uh, but he's, he's around, but I don't know where he is, somewhere in Mexico as well. But um, I think a lot of that builds character, right? Like really understanding mm -hmm. um, who you are. And so, um, yeah, like it kind of forces you to, to um, yeah, establish like who you are, who you're going to be. A lot of these moments early on in your life kind of help or kind of force you to define the rest of your life and how you're either going to be bitter and angry or how you're going to overcome it and use it as a catalyst for the rest of your life. And um, yeah, I think early on I also learned that I was going to be hated for who I was regardless of how I was or how I acted. And so I just owned who 
I was and I was I allowed myself to be who I was because I was going to be hated for it regardless so it's like I might as well be happy and hated than unhappy and um, hated anyway you know what I mean so it's like um, sticking to your your sticking to my true self um, but yeah, I, I remember going to church a lot, La Iglesia, um, and I hated it because the preacher was always talking bad stuff about gay people, about you know, almost like racist stuff too. Like it was just a horrible and toxic environment. And that always struck me too as like, how are you supposed to preach love and then be such a hypocrite and not accept certain people or certain races? And I think that was just my church, but I think there's a lot of people that can, might possibly relate to that experience. Not all churches are healthy churches, but there are some great ones out there. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty touchy experience with um, with religion early on growing up, and so I kind of relate to you, Luis, on that on that point too. Um, but yeah, like family, this, especially this time of year too, right? Like it gets really like sensitive because. Um, life like takes you different places like i don't have a i don't go there's nowhere to go home to for the holidays we don't really have that nuclear family experience what i do love though is i connect with my sibling i'm pretty sure every year it's we at least get together um if it's just like sitting around watching movies or cooking a meal we at least get together just be able to stick with each other to like um celebrate the holidays with. but it's always a little tricky Yeah. Wow, guys. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, thank you again for being vulnerable in this space because it is a rough time. It is a rough month um, for for all of us, whether we've lost people or our families aren't as united. Um, and so thank you guys for, for sharing. Um, if you guys want, we'll jump into the next question, which you already all spoke a little bit about. Um, the next question is, what's your story? When did you come out? Um, when did you realize you identified as gay or queer? Um, what was all of this like? What did you find out, discover, realize? Um, ¿Cuál es tu historia cuando um, saliste como gay o de parte de la comunidad LGBTQ? Uh, ¿Cuánto te diste cuenta y cómo fue todo esto para ustedes? And again, um, as much as you guys want to share, um, you know, this is, I understand it's it's going public and it can be very vulnerable and re-traumatizing, but thank you guys again for being a part of this. Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting because I think I've shared this story so many times just when I talk to my partner or when I talk to friends um, now, because it, like I said, you know, before, it is really important to share stories. And of course, it, you know, everyone does it in their own time. Um, but I think for me, like I knew really, really early on, I think I was in fifth grade when I knew and I was bullied most of my young life, starting in like third grade all the way to um, about eighth grade. So I heard words all the time, like faggot, and, you know, people would call me gay or say you're a girl or call me Juan Gabriel. And I remember just, like, feeling so confused because I didn't really understand what those words meant, and I didn't know if they were insulting or not, but I just remember people had these, like, really, like, mean faces when they would say it. And 
at that point, you know, in fifth grade, I didn't really understand it. And it wasn't until sixth grade where I remember sitting in band class and I saw this boy that was sitting next to me. And it was the first time I felt really funny, I guess I would say. Like, it was like an attraction. And I started to get worried. And I think from there on, I started to wonder a lot about why people would say things to me um, and what they meant. And I didn't really understand sexuality. And I was sixth grade. I was still trying to figure out um, the things that I liked. I mean, I was still into like Pokemon cards at that point and um, still having a struggle with this internal, like, you know, like internal struggle that I couldn't really talk to anyone about because every time that I even like, asked the question, you know, my parents would give me a really strange look, a really angry look, um, and most of the kids at school would just make fun of me, so I didn't really have anyone that I could talk to. So going through that process was not only really scary because it was constantly feeling confused, you know, feeling confused about what I was feeling and then what I was thinking and then what I was being told I had to think and feel, and it, it went on for many years. Um, and I think I told, I tried to tell my mom once or twice because the bullying had gotten really bad. And every time that it almost came out of my mouth, she, it was like this like defense mechanism, you know, that almost activated. And it was, it was almost like, don't say what I think you're going to say. And I could see it in her face and I can hear it in her voice. And I remember just not saying it. And that went on for many years. And when I turned 18, I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to go. This is my excuse. I was always doing really well in school. I was really smart. I studied a lot. I uh, was in band, was in like bio club, you know, did all these like things that my brothers weren't doing, that cousins weren't doing. And so I was, I was really um, put on a pedestal, I guess, by my family. You know, they saw me as this, this person that was going to make it or do something amazing. And, um, that was kind of my my way of in my head of making up for being for feeling that way for so long it was kind of like well if i'm smart and i'm doing all these things and i'm working really hard and i'm successful it makes me worthy it makes me valuable to mm. them and so it was this facade that in the end also really impacted me but um i was able to go to college first one in my family to go to school um outside of la and go to college and get a degree and when I left, my parents had a really hard time accepting it. They felt like I was kind of betraying the family for leaving, for not staying there, for not wanting to be around them. And I couldn't even really tell them why. You know, there was really no way for me to say that it just felt depressing being around them, not being able to be who I was and having to hide that. Wow. So, yeah, and I, college was actually the best thing that happened to me because it was the first time I felt free and I met neighbors and I mean it, it, it was interesting because I remember like learning about myself through women <laughs> the funniest thing because I didn't even have gay friends like I didn't know anyone that was gay I you know I was hanging out with one of the girls who was my neighbors and she was the one setting me up on dates with all these guys and like coming over and fixing my hair and I remember just feeling like confused because I still didn't really know who I was and I was kind of like just rolling with it and even at that time, like, I wasn't really talking to my parents. And I think I was avoiding them for a long time because I, I every time that we talked, there was this awkwardness in the conversation, you know, about why I had to leave or why I didn't want to be home. And um, it wasn't until years later. I mean, I was already 
done with school. I had graduated. I met my partner who, uh, as of last month, we've been together for 10 years now. And um, it was when I met him and we started dating that I remember going home and introduce, trying to introduce him to my mom. And I think she always knew, like, that it wasn't really, like, a surprise um, because there were so many moments where I tried to tell her that I, I always knew that she was aware. She just avoided it. And so when I tried to introduce her to um, my partner, she walked right past him and didn't say anything. And I remember calling out to her and feeling so dissed, you know, like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing? I'm like, Mom, like, I'm trying to talk to you. I'm like, this is my partner, or this is, or I said his name, um, Roy. And she looked at him and said, oh, I didn't even see him. I didn't know you brought someone. And it was like this almost like again going back to that place of feeling like we traumatized like you don't know what you're talking about you don't know what you're feeling you're confused and so it felt that way and i remember um introducing him and you know it was maybe about a couple months in that we were dating that my brother my middle brother who i was very close to found out that his girlfriend was pregnant we both had to tell my parents like this thing right like I was already planning I'm like okay well I'm gonna tell them because I'm in a serious relationship at the, I, I mean I thought it was in my head I mean it was like three months or something but it was serious to me it was my first time like actually connecting with someone in that way and feeling like I wanted them to meet them um so I remember going home and I was sitting there and I didn't know my brother was also planning on like talking to her. So I, I it was kind of like this hot mess <laughs> of a situation, but I remember sitting there and saying, look, mom, um, I know, you know, Roy's not my, my roommate and he's not my friend and you keep saying my friend and he's really my partner. And I know that you know that I'm gay. And she started to cry and, you know, she looked at me and she, it was, a very hysterical crying. I remember almost feeling guilty and and very shame for having made her feel that way. And um, the first thing she said to me was, you know, I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go to hell. And you know that what you're doing is against what we believe in. And I remember just saying, like, I don't believe in that. You know, you believe in that. And um, I walked away um, my dad was also there, but he was standing by the door. And um, I remember when he walked away and I almost like followed behind, um, just trying to contain everything. You know, I was the oldest. I was the the golden child to them. And I, I felt like I had just let them down. And um, I remember walking to the door and my dad turning around and saying, you know, I didn't know that you were going to disappoint me this way. And that was extremely hurtful um, because I had never really disappointed them. You know, I was always doing what they asked of me and what they wanted for me. You know, I followed that because, you know, it was just the way that my family was, you know, the expectations, the, the cultural expectations, the, the um, religious expectations. And um, right after that, I guess my brother's, I don't know why he thought that was a good opportunity, but he also told them that his girlfriend was pregnant. My mom cried even more and said, you're both horrible sons. <laughs> it became this really like almost like movie-like situation where I was going through my own like experience and felt disconnected. And my brother was 
trying to like I don't know if he thought it was a good move to like say almost like save me or like he just wanted to say it because he it would make him feel better but I remember my parents just my mom crying left the room my dad walked away and um that was pretty much how I came out and it's been years um and my dad is probably the one that we had to go through so many spats just back and forth over the years and finally I think when he realized that he was pushing me away and I wasn't connecting with him the way that we had been before he called me and he cried and he told me that he loved me and that he didn't understand anything about what I what I was going through because he you know he said I come from uh, yo vengo de un rancho uh, de México y allá no 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 hablamos de eso y no sé qué es eso y no te entiendo um, pero te quiero mucho and I don't want to lose you and I remember I was in grad school at that point this was like years later and I was about to take a final exam and when he said that I just remember crying in my car <laughs> and just you know real thinking for the first time that things were going to be okay at that point we had I had been together with my partner for a few years then and um my mom she's still very much in denial she still calls him my friend or she won't say anything at all it's interesting because in her own way she's also almost like try to accept it she'll ask us about future plans if we're saving money if we're planning on buying a home if we're moving back to LA but she never fully like acknowledges it or even says you know the word partners or or gay or boyfriends to any of her acquaintances it's usually like oh yeah they're very close and it's so that it's that weird like you know thing you hear on tv where oh yeah your your uncle and his roommate you know kind of thing and and for me that's in itself has been super like re-traumatizing constantly because it almost feels like having to come out again and again and more specifically to her because even at that point I felt like I could tell a whole room of people and I probably wouldn't have cared as much if they had not liked me than you know this person who I was very close to and having to continuously do that you know it is re-traumatizing and you know coming out it, it, it's a cycle it, it's it's a never-ending cycle it's not something that stops when you come out to you know someone for the first time it's like you're constantly doing it um you're constantly having to you know almost like have to go through that process you know because people will ask you if they don't assume and even when they assume it's usually in a negative way. They might say like, oh, you know, Luis, it's because you're very feminine. I assumed you were gay or because you sound the way you do, I assumed you were gay. And so, um, yeah, coming out has, I mean, it, it, it's not even like done because it still happens a lot. I still get really awkward questions from people, even with clients. Like I said, I work with um, members of the Latinx community, a lot of people who are first time, um, you know, residents here or who are immigrants or um first generation and so i do get that i do get asked a lot even by my clients and it's it's always um it's always a, a very scary point for me but i think over the years it's definitely gotten better and that's been mostly because i've done a lot of work you know going to my own therapy um reconnecting with who i am myself as as a person as an individual and also through my relationship um, I've definitely learned to love myself more. And I think that those things have 
um, continuously helped me in having to come out constantly, you know, or having to say things, even with uncles and aunts who I'm still coming out to and who have given me completely opposite reactions that I thought, you know, I thought they'd react like my mom. And instead I have aunts who, you know, would, would get us gifts, like matching gifts and stuff like that. And it was just little symbols that, you know, that meant something to me. And so um, even now, as I continue to do that with family and, um, you know, with other people, um, I think that I, I'm definitely in a better place. And I, I feel um, a lot more empowered than I did at that point when, you know, I had to sit there in that dim, like it was like dim light, like this room. And it, and I always think about that um, as one of the the pivotal points in my journey. So uh, especially when I think about coming out. <laughs> Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Let's see. So for myself, uh, my, I think my my coming out process was a lot, it was, it was very quick. It was unplanned and not premeditated at all in any way. I remember being 21 years old and I was out with my friends one night and I was definitely drunk and I was in the car and I was like 10 minutes away from home and I just remember thinking to myself like huh like I probably should tell my parents that I'm gay you know I'm 21 at this point I probably should just do that and I remember I literally walked into the house and knocked on my parents' door and it was 2 a.m. in the morning and I woke them up and I said, mom, dad, I just need to let you know that I'm gay. Um, okay, I'm going to go to bed now. Good night. Have a good night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, and that was basic. And then, and then I remember, I remember like, um, well, I should probably just get this all over with in one fell swoop because why waste my time and so i remember at that night texting literally everybody that i knew like a mat this was like <laughs> a lot yeah this is like long when you had like when there's the phones there was you had like type the letters each one to like, and it was like this long mess and you had to send you had to send each individual because you couldn't massive group text at that time so i like texted like 50 people that night hey you know this is vicente this one that you know i'm gay it's probably important to say that um okay thanks good night um, and that was that. And because I, yeah, and that's kind of like my personality. It's like when I'm ready to do something, it's, it's like I freak about about every fucking thing. Sorry, excuse me. I freak about everything until it's time to do it. And then when I, when, then like when I'm ready to do it, it's like I don't really. I'm like over it. I'm like I'm like I'm like actually tired of my own insecurity. And it's like I'm tired of myself. And I can't hold this anymore, so I'm just gonna go all the way. And so, literally, that's what I did, and I told everybody. And I remember the the next day waking up. Um, yeah, my friends were like, my friends were okay with it. Um, my my mom was crying; she cried a lot um, the next day. And I think I didn't. And I, I didn't think it was going to be hard for her. I thought it was going to be hard for my dad. My dad didn't really care at all. Um, I think he does care, but he's just kind of one of those, like, stoic Latino dads that don't really 
talk about any of his emotions. Like I remember one time he was just talking about his relationship with his own dad and he was like, I can't, I can't have this conversation. I can't, I can't do this. So <laughs> I think emotional capacity is hard for him in general. So he may, you know, feel certain things that he's just not even able to express. Um, but my mom was very visibly sad and crying. And I remember she told me uh, that it, like for her, it was okay for other people to be gay, but because she, she used a hairdresser, so she's around a lot of gay guys and never bothered by it. And she's like, but that's different when it's my own son. So wow, I don't, I don't, but I don't think she was like, I don't think she was trying to say it in like a negative way. Because uh, obviously years later, we, we talked about it and she apologized and she said that it wasn't, th that the, all of those feelings weren't, had nothing to do with me and were only about her and her own process and feelings. And Essentially, it's like as a parent, like you think, like, or you want to tell yourself, right, in your mind that you know your child, because why would you not? Like, you want to tell yourself, that I, I, like, I literally birthed this kid, I know this kid, so I, I know my child, I understand my child. So I think for my mom to hear that, it was like, almost like, uh, how, did she, how does she not know? How is this part of, how is this going on the whole time? And she didn't understand it. And so I think for her, it was more so, so about that. Like, and she just needed time to adjust and get to know a new normal. And it wasn't that she was trying to be mean or be hateful. It was just that she just she also needed to go through her own process of accepting it for herself. And I'm, which I'm glad I actually had that conversation with her years later. Cause it was also scary for me to talk about it. Cause I was always felt so much shame around being gay, but in eventually at one point I did not anymore. And so I was able to have that conversation with her. So I think that was very healing and also just opened up my eyes. Just like, it just became so much bigger than that at that point. It's like not even about like me being gay. It was just like about like me accepting my mom for being human and like seeing it from her perspective of just being a parent and trying to understand her child and struggling with that. And so it just became, I think it just be, brought me closer to my mom and to my family. And so I'm very appreciative of that. I know not everybody has that or gets that and sometimes we have to just make our own chosen family to find the closure that we need to have. But I feel very fortunate that that, that was my experience. Wow, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, go ahead, Luis. <laughs> yeah, uh, my coming out experience was funny. Um, well, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny now, but, so I was And, um, and at this point, my dad was gone. So actually, um, yeah, so just full transparency, my dad was deported when I was 17 in college. And so I came back to visit um, uh, later that 
next year, um, I was, and I had just turned 18. So, um, my mom's here and she's, um, uh, and it was just time. It was time. So I was like, mom, I need, I need to talk to you. Like, this is serious. And I'm like, she's like, what? And I was like, um, I need you to know that I'm, you know, I forget the words that I use exactly, but basically, um, it was like, I'm gay. She's like, well, yeah, I know. And I was like, what? I was surprised that she knew because, um, she, we, we had never talked about it. We had never, um, right. It was just like taboo. We never spoke on it, but I was surprised. She's like, yeah, I know. But she's like, don't tell your father. And it wasn't the reaction that I expected from her, but she was like, I'm going to pray for you. Like, I know you're still going to get married and find a woman to marry, um, the whole shebang. Um, but yeah, when she was like, don't tell your father, that was like not the reaction I expected. Um, and I mean, I took her word. I never told my father. Um, I don't expect him to find, find out. I mean, unless he's, uh, listening to this podcast. Hey dad. <laughs> um, but, uh, I feel honestly, I feel like he would take it better than my mom. I think so. Um, in hindsight, just knowing how my dad was and knowing how my mom was, my mom was always trying to like hide things and show a perfect family, which is like, so the opposite of what we were. And um, I think it's just, it tainted her perfect image of a family, right? Like she has a gay son. Um, and that's unfortunate because I have so much more to offer, um, so much to offer. And um, I think she'll come around to it. Um, I've slowly integrated her. She just FaceTime with my boyfriend. I have never introduced her to a boyfriend. And I just FaceTime with, uh, I made them FaceTime a couple months ago. That oh. was fun. And she was like, cool with it. I really just ambushed her. I was like, look, I want you to meet someone. And then I put him on, on FaceTime and I was like, this is my boyfriend. Um, and then I ambushed him too. He wasn't expecting that. So he's like, uh, uh, this is your mom. Uh, but it just felt like the right timing. It was just, we were all there. And so, so she seems to be coming around. Um, I think what really hurts her is she thinks she's not going to have grandchildren. Um, but I've assured her, like, I, I do plan on having children down the road. Um, and if they're not like my biological kids, they'll be adopted and they'll be beautiful. And she seems to be okay with that. Um, I think it just in her mind, you know, you know, I marry a woman and I, you know, it's just like, that's her fantasy, but, um, she's coming around and I'm happy to say that I think she'll, she'll, um, fully support me soon. But as of now, I have to slowly like integrate and like warm her up to the idea. And then like my whole family, my whole extended family, like we just don't talk about it again. We're very, they're very religious Christian. Um, and I mean, they know because my cousins talk, you know, my cousins mention things and they say stuff and I'm not filtered on the internet. Like everybody, I, you can look at my Facebook pictures and my like posts and stuff. I'm very me, very who I am. And so I'm not hiding anything. And I, some of them follow me. So I know people know, I just haven't like formally announced. Um, uh, yeah. So um, that was kind of my coming out experience. It was a while back when I was 18. Wow. Um, thank you guys. You all, you all have different stories. Um, and to, you know, kind of, uh, I wanted to tell you guys about an experience that I had. Um, I started at this new job probably like two months in and I was seeing, um, this teenager, well, I'm still seeing him now. 
and and he was like hey um so i'm gay and you know how you told me that i can always invite my parents into session if i ever needed them to um i want to invite my mom in so i could tell her that i'm gay and i was just like um Wow. Okay, like, it, again, like I said, like, I, I'm not new to this in the sense of like, I, I have friends, I have a cousin who's gay, like I've, you know, even though I don't identify, I've been around people, but as a clinician, as a therapist, um, you know, having people trust in me to be their healer, to be a part of their healing process. Um, I sometimes felt like maybe I'm doing a disservice. Maybe I should tell them they should go to a therapist that'll relate more um, because I, I wanted to make sure, you know, that they had all the support that they wanted. And so, and so I told him, I said, um, are you sure you want to do that with me? And he said, yeah, because I trust you. And I felt like, I felt like honored. And at the same time, I felt like I was more nervous than him, to be honest. But we we had the session, um, we made it happen. And, um, and, and his mom was a little bit like Vicente's story. Like she, she was supportive um, and she sort of said the whole, like I already knew, um, but she did say, you know, it's, it's different. Cause she said, well, she looks at me and she said, you know, I have a gay friend. And I was like, okay. You know? And so, so she tells her son, you know about, and then she says the name of the friend. And she said, so I have a gay friend, but it's different because you're my son. Um, and so we processed it and he explained to her, like, I know mom, but like, you know, I want to be able to be open with you because I love you and we're really close and all this stuff. And then she told him, she said, um, in, in Spanish, cause they're Latino. And she said, it's going to be really hard for me. Um, but don't think that I don't accept you. I'm, it's just going to be hard for me because I know how ugly this world can be. Um, to boys like you and I don't want to make like, or what did she say? I want to make sure that I can protect you. And so it was just super sweet. But um, I, I thought about, you know, sharing it with you guys just because you all have different stories. Um, and one thing, you know, that I can see in all of you guys' stories is you wanted the people you love to know. And um, no matter what it was, I think just to me, it's so, you know, to me, it's hard being just someone getting upset with me or angry. I'm one of those people that's like, oh, well then screw you. I never want to talk to you again sometimes. And so it's, it's just, I can see the Guerrero in you guys that you're like, no, well, you know, I'm gonna um, come out and tell my story and I'm going to take whatever comes with it and, and continue like to put in the effort um, because this is who I am and, and it, and, and it's what I need to be. It's what I need them to see. And so um, anyway, so I just, I shared that because I, you know, I was just like, wow, like, you know, you all have your different stories and it's amazing to see how true you've stayed to just you and, you know, fighting for that is, is super big. Thank you. Um, so um, the final, I guess, question, I had a question asking like your role and 
um, how you advocate for the LGBT community, but we definitely touched base on that earlier. Um, so lastly, I just wanted to, um, you guys as voices of the LGBTQ community, and maybe if we have listeners or out there that are where you were before you came out or, um, you know, are dealing with this and needing that voice and hopefully they can find that in you guys. Um, with the way society is, as we know it, it, we've, we have had a lot of progress. We have had a lot of development. There is a lot more voices out there for, um, people of color, for the LGBTQ community, for, for, uh, the, you know, other communities that are sort of, um, I want to use the word attacked. Um, but there's always there's always progress that needs to be made as we know especially in our community or when uh people are too religious or too stuck on their old ways i guess you could say um so being a part of this society i know can be difficult for members of the lgbtq community um how do you guys manage it what's your self-care i mean you've already vocalized how amazing you represent and stick truly to who you are which is just honorable to see but how do you self-care tell us a little bit of that yeah so i think for me um it's definitely been going to therapy and working on myself and really learning to love myself and be unapologetic about it and also learning um you know like vicente mentioned earlier which i i think it's crucial to recognize is that there have been a lot of improvements for gay men um, you know, there's been a lot more uh, rights that have revolved around gay men, a lot more recognition around being a gay man. But that does, it doesn't stop there because, you know, being part of the LGBTQ community doesn't mean that it's just about one group. You know, we, we have to also think about everyone else that's still in the group that's struggling. And I work with a lot of transgender women and men and, you know, I, I hear their stories and there's some similarities and yet there's so many other unique barriers that that impact them and I think for me part of that has been learning has been really um, trying to figure out ways of being an ally myself and understanding that um, that I've I've received some privileges um, while at the same time there's still a lot of work to be done and there's still a lot of obstacles that you know I I don't have to come out in the same way and and then that in itself, like I said, you know, was a traumatizing experience for me. So part of for me of my own self care is also learning and trying to be someone that doesn't just you know think about myself, but really advocates for other people. And that's part of the reason why I'm also a therapist because my work has been to really support people who are struggling and to provide a space. You know, just like you shared about your client. Um, I didn't have that. And most people don't have that. You know, most people coming out don't have uh, a support, you know, someone sitting there with them to hold their hand, whether it's, you know, figuratively or, 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 or physically, uh, when they're coming out to people that they care about. And in itself, coming out as a gay man can be can be dangerous, you know, can be um, is not easy in in certain situations. And we also have to think about people who, you know, who are transgender and who, um, you know, identify uh, from other groups as well and, 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 and the challenges that come with that because, you know, we, we see a lot of violence and a lot of murder. And like Vicente mentioned, you know, there's 
every year the number grows and it, and it gets bigger and and there's so much that um you know i think we have to recognize as, as gay men and and not just focus on on ourselves focus on the other people that also need our support that are also part of our community and not just forget because we're getting you know more more privileges so i i want to say that learning um you know, that that's part of, for me, my self-care, like healing and feeling like it's bigger. Yeah, that it's not just about me as an individual. It's it's a lot bigger. You know, it's a, we're talking about community. We're talking about movements. We're talking about, uh, you know, this still happening in a lot of parts of the world. Um, so I think for me, self-care is practicing self-love, taking care of myself, and also, um, you know, not settling for, for just those little things, you know, but, but continuing to, um, provide space and, and, um, you know, really be an ally. Um, for myself, what does self-care look like? I felt like it's something that I'm trying to learn how to do better in my life. Mm -hmm. Recently I've taken up journaling which is really interesting because I've always been against it. Um, not in the sense that I don't like it, but more so of like I've always been a kind of hater on it because I felt like it was never going to work. Like, why am I going to stick here right down my feelings? It's not going to make it any better. Um, but I actually, you know, checked myself and I was like, hey, you know what, Vicente? Like, why don't you just try it? even if you don't believe it and just do it for a month and you don't have to do it again after that. You know, you can either choose to do it again or not. And I'm currently in that month right now, but I'm actually finding it really helpful. If anything, not to bottle everything in and to write everything down that comes to mind in a way to release it and not have it stuck there. Cause I'm a person as we all do, right. It's like, we dwell, we dwell on all the, all the things that we thought we could have done better or that we're hurting from, or that we're thinking about too much. And so writing it down has been really helpful and healing for me. It's probably the thing that's actually funny enough working on, or being the most beneficial for me right now, even though I'm always against it. Um, so it's funny how we get in our own way sometimes. That's another life lesson. It's like, don't get in your own way. Um, but other than that, I feel I get really recharged and doing small things for myself, like doing a bubble bath or even just cleaning my room or going out for a walk. And of course, really friends and community because at the end of the day all we have is each other mm -hmm. and i felt so fortunate to be really held so well by people in my by my friends by my family i feel very blessed to know that i have people in my life that i could really lean on and trust and that will be there for me and hopefully I'm there for them as well, back in return. So I would say that it's a combination of doing the journaling, doing the small self-care items, and just really 
leaning on friends and community for support. I love that. Um, for me, I think some of my self-care practices are definitely rituals. So um, in the mornings, I like to make my coffee and then read some emails or news. And that really helps set the tone and set my day. And it's just, it really is a self-care practice, uh, especially the coffee part. Um, I do a lot of yoga and that also keeps my mind kind of zen and um, helps me focus. I try to go three times a week, but um, lately I haven't been taking care of myself. So this is a good reminder. Um, and lastly, I think in the LGBTQ community, we always talk about, or we hear the term um, a lot, chosen family. And I think that's a big part of my self-care practice um, is having a chosen family, people that I surround myself with, people that support and uplift me, where my a family, nuclear family, can lack. And um, I think choosing the right chosen family and just having that support, it's so important. Again, to Vicente's point, it's it's community, right? There's some, there's nothing more important than that. Uh, but when you surround yourself with around people that support you and love you and uplift you, I think that's the best self care uh, practice that you can um, that you can have. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys all hit such great points. And um, I like that. I like that chosen family. And, and, you know, in general, I think it's important for us to surround ourselves by people that are supportive, um, and that uplift us. But um, it's just amazing that you guys have found people that do support you where others lack. And, um, so I'm so glad that you guys have that for yourselves. Um, last but not least, um, if you guys would like to share some words of quick words of wisdom to anyone that is listening that might be able to relate or that might be going through something that um, is, is a hard time and is sort of a similar experience to what you guys dealt with um, through coming out and you know, everything that has led you to who you are today? Um, I would say that I want people to know that healing is ongoing, um, that it's never ending. It's not something that stops. You know, we are very complex as humans. And when you come out, you know, even to yourself, I think that a lot of times we think that, you know, healing um, stops at a certain point, but it doesn't, you know, we continue to grow and find our identity and uh, whether we go to therapy or rely on our chosen family or we, you know, whatever we practice or do that, I think it's important for people to know that um, it's okay to look for help and to not feel like you have to hold on to everything, you know, because I think often the shame and a lot of the, um, things that come with with discovering yourself especially when you're living in a world that can be pretty hostile um that it's important to remember that you are deserving and that you should look for help that you can look for help and you can talk about these things um you know and so i i want to say that i think it's it's a good thing you know to to be able to um trust other people with something that can feel like you know, it, it can be too scary sometimes. And, and from the example that you gave earlier, uh, Kelsey, about, you know, have, just having a client come to you and trust you, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many statistics out there that talk about the impact of coming out, you know, the first time and, and the reaction and how that really affects individuals. You know, the reaction you get 
can have a lasting impact on you. And like I said, for me, I mean, I, and I think I, I would be a good example, even having a difficult time talking about that piece because it is re-traumatizing mm-hmm. um, and I didn't have that support. I didn't have someone there with me, um, you know, who could help me navigate. So I think that it's important for people who haven't come out yet or who are still trying to figure out who they are, you know, to, to look for help. And like I said, whether it's going to therapy, whether it's community, a group, anything like that, that, um, you know, it's okay and that, it, and that it's, it's, it can, that's also part of the healing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, let's see for myself words of wisdom i think is that we forget that we have the ability to we create ourselves every day and a lot of us uh feel like we're defined by who we were in the past but actually we get to be whoever we want to be and we're not defined by our past and we're only defined by the future that we want to create for ourselves. So I think I, I, I try and think about that. Um, and for myself, I think, I think also the reason why, why being LGBTQ has become less and less traumatizing for me personally, or there's been less and less shame almost really to the point where it's like, I don't even like, I don't see. I don't feel any shame around that um, in any way at this point. But I feel like a lot of that just has to do with that, like me not defining myself by my past. Right? You know, I could say like, oh, I used to know, think about the shame I have felt from other people that have directed me towards my queerness or something like. Or I could just choose to be like, well, actually, you know, other people's reactions are about them and not about me and mm-hmm. I get to choose how I interpret my own self I get to choose how I love myself and so for me that's been the most liberating thing even on my journal I wrote your biggest responsibility is to tell your truth so I really believe in that and I think the more and more we can just live our truth and get closer and closer and closer to it every day kind of like healing is an ongoing process like living our truth is an ongoing process mm-hmm. I think that that's the biggest uh, lesson that I want to leave is that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for any viewers out there listening that are considering coming out or have just struggled with this internally, I think um, something that would have helped me when I was going through this that I heard somewhere and I can't remember where. um, So this is not my original idea, but it's, it's something that really helped me is don't think of it as coming out, but think of, uh, uh, think of it as welcoming in. So you're welcoming people into your life, into your um, into your journey of your sexuality, right? You're not necessarily coming out onto theirs, but you're welcoming them, welcoming them in. If that makes any sense. So don't consider, don't think about it as a coming out. Think of it as a welcoming in. I think that um, that might help with the anxiety that's behind it, and really um, kind of help you kind of become more comfortable about it um, and it just gets better. It gets better. That's another important component. You might be at your lowest low and just feel like you don't know what the right thing to do is. Uh, You might feel shame. You might feel guilt, you know, any of the above, but just know that it gets better. 
Wow, thank you. I love that, the welcoming in. I've actually heard um, from someone before about how everyone um, in, or a lot of people of the LGBT, LGBTQ community experienced that part first. It's the come, but they said it as coming in, like coming in with oneself, knowing what oneself is, and then having the courage to come out. But welcoming in is just so freaking badass in the sense that it's like, we're not coming out to you. We're welcoming you well, into our space. And exactly. so that was amazing. Thank you so much for just saying that because I think it's important in communities where we don't talk about this enough as much as, yes, there has been progress, but it's still shamed or denied or ignored or whatever, you know, for people to know that it's not about coming out. It's about welcoming in. And we, anyone not part of the LGBTQ community is lucky enough to be welcome into this community. So thank you so much for saying that. Um, this has been an absolutely beautiful um, and inspiring episode. I just want to thank all three of you so much again for being my guest today. I feel so honored um, to have been trusted to have you on my show. I feel so honored to have heard all of your um, unique stories and to have my listeners um, enjoy this episode as much as I have. Um, este ha sido un episodio maravilloso. Um, me siento tan inspirada. Acabo de decir en inglés que um, es un honor haber um, tenido a los dos Luises y a Vicente aquí conmigo um, que, que me, me, me dieron a la oportunidad de tenerlos aquí, de escuchar sus historias en mi um, show en Acá Entre Nos y espero que ustedes lo disfruten como yo he disfrutado esta experiencia. Um, yo sé que normalmente tenemos al último de cada episodio un chisme del día. I know normally at the end of every episode I have a chisme del día, but I really just want this episode to end as amazing as it's ending right now. Um, but I will be giving the space um, to give these individuals the opportunity to tell you guys where you can find them, where you could follow them, their companies, what they're doing, so you can show them the support and love um, that we should be showing each other as a community. Um, no va a haber chisme del día el día de hoy, pero le voy a dar la oportunidad a estos muchachos para que ellos les digan en dónde los pueden encontrar, um, en cuál Um, áreas de social media, Facebook, lo que sea, o sus compañías, lo que están haciendo para que podamos seguir um, ayudando como podamos um, en cualquier cosa que ellos estén haciendo en lo que estén involucrado. So go ahead, guys. Yeah, so uh, for me, if you want to learn more about Psychosocial, you can go to www.psychosocial.media and Psychosocial spells P-S-Y-C-H-O-S-O-C-I-A-L. And you can also follow us on Instagram, and that's psychosocial underscore media. Um, you know, we have a lot of information on there, a lot of articles provided by mental health professionals. Uh, we're also including a lot of other content like music, Uh, and shows that talk about mental health and the LGBTQ community and that creating more content. We're also on YouTube. Uh, you can find all of that on the website. And for myself, you can follow me on, on 
Instagram, Vicente da Presente, Twitter, Vicente Speaks, and my website is vicentecreates.com, and I'm trying to think of any other channels. That's about it. Get at me when you can. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And then you can follow me um, on my Instagram at I am Luis Quiros. And you can follow my business page where you, um, I post a lot about my clients and the work I'm doing with the Mission Merchants this year at Trending Socials. You can also look that up at www.trendingsocials.com. Awesome. Thank you guys again so much for being a part of this. Thank you for your time. I know it's late. Um, we're recording this right now. It's 10 o'clock p.m., almost 11. So I just appreciate these fellas so much for taking the time to be a part of this show. Thank you, everyone, for listening again. Um, thank you all for welcoming them also into your space as you're listening into to this episode. Um, it really has been an amazing experience for me. Thanks again, fellas. Thanks to our listeners. Thank Hasta you, la próxima. Ciao. Mm -hmm.